Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP Winged Ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep-fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And, of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Brought to you by Botano. The game starts now, Botano.ca. This is the Friday edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Nick Alberga and Mike McKenna with you. Mike, great to be working with you, my man. A lot of playoff hockey ahead this weekend, but I got to ask you off the top. It's Sanko de Mayo. I got you on Instagram. You're a fantastic follow. Any dishes you can make with tequila in it? Oh, yeah, dude. I would absolutely go straight to the – I'd make shrimp with tequila and chipotle, and I can't remember. It's camarón something. I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. But, yeah, you put a little tequila in the pan, let that thing sizzle. Oh, that's the way to do it. We're going to go big on Milapita tonight, our local Mexican joint. I was saying to Rosie on Lee's Morning Take, Jay Rosehill, before I came on here – that I celebrated a bit last night with Cinco de Mayo. I know it was May the 4th, but I still had a couple of tequila shots watching that Leafs game, and I needed it. So let's jump into things here, and we'll start with the Panthers going up 2-0 in that series. What have you made of the first two, and how stunned are you that this is what it's at right now? I mean, should we really be stunned, honestly? Like, the Panthers just knocked off the Boston Bruins, like the greatest team ever, right, in the regular season of the NHL. When you start, when you win a series like that, you get a feeling within your locker room that you can do anything. And realistically speaking, has Toronto been better than the Panthers in the first two games? I think you can make that argument pretty easily on paper, at least. But there's intangibles to the Panthers. Like, they don't go away, man. And they are not soft, like Keith Kachuk called them a couple months ago that went viral in Toronto. That might have punched them right in the face. Because you got guys like Kachuk and Bennett and Gudas that are just warriors out there, man. And they're resilient. Look at Lundell's goal last night. The Panthers weren't anywhere in that game last night, Nick. And Lundell scores and it silences the crowd in Toronto, gives them some life. And then you start second period, two quick goals. All of a sudden, Panthers are up by two, or up by one, a 3-2 game. So I think they're resilient. I think they're playing hard. But more than anything, they're getting better goaltending, Nick. Sergei Bobrovsky has been way better than Ilya Samsonov. And without him, I'm not sure where the series is. 
I'm so happy I was working with you today because, again, you are the goalie guru, the goalie expert at Daily Faceoff, and you're a goalie in the NHL. I mean, who better? Bobrovsky, man, like he he won two Vesna trophies. I'll be the first to admit I have ripped this guy pretty much since he joined the Florida Panthers. Anybody would take that ticket, but he has been above and, and beyond. And I mean, you just look at the numbers and I'll read them off to you. Matthews 0 for 12, Marner 0 for 7, Nylander 0 for 13, Tavares 0 for 10. It's so clear this guy's in their head, right? Uh, I think he's not just in their head, but he's just performing. And 5 on 5, power play, you name it. I think some of the saves that Bobrovsky made in the first game, especially from the open slot, like open slot looks, Nick, he's making blocker saves look easy. He's eating pucks. And, you know, with Bobrovsky previously, there's been times where I think he's been too, a little bit too explosive. He'll lose his nets. He's, you're not seeing that right now. Like the core is still there. I mean, he's still beatable, but Look at the stats here in the series, 944 in two games. Like he's carrying the Panthers. It's just can he sustain it? Because this season he was pretty streaky. He'd go four or five hot and then he'd cool off. So the Panthers are hoping that Bobrovsky can keep up this level of play. Mike, the ironic thing to me, and I brought this up on my show the other day, and I'm sure you recall this. Uh, it was like two weeks left in the season. Alex Lyons starts this game in Toronto. The Panthers tie it late. They win it in overtime. So funny enough, it's the Leafs who set up this entire matchup, and here we are down 0-2 in the series. How about that? Yeah, it's unbelievable how the world turns, right? And, hey, credit to Alex Lyon, who did carry the Florida Panthers into mm -hmm. the playoffs, played the first three games of the series in the first round. But I think it's ride or die with Bob at this point, the way he's playing. And certainly for the Maple Leafs perspective, I love Delia Samsonov's comments, uh, you know, post-game pretty much saying, I don't give a fuck uh, regarding Sergei Bobrovsky and the way he's played so far in this series. He's been a great story. But again, Ilya Samsonov should have some confidence to his game. I mean, he did out-duel Andre Vasilevsky in the first round. From the Maple Leafs perspective, where does it start? I think obviously there's always that revisionist history that a couple weeks back, even a week ago, uh, we saw the New Jersey Devils do this a very exact same thing the Leafs are trying to do, right? Yeah, and I honestly am real nervous about Samsonov, and it's the watching the way he plays, yeah. Nick. Like his when that puck moves laterally, and you saw it last night on Forsling's goal from Kachuk. When the puck goes side to side, Samsonov's upper body is at war with his lower body. It does not work in unison. It's not in sync. There's holes. He's reaching. He's just not a crisp goaltender. He can fly by the seat of his pants and play an unbelievable game but you don't see consistency out of him because there are d deficiencies in his technical structure. I'm scared about that because Bob's been way better. And it's not like Samsonov's been atrocious here, man, but you can't be just okay in a dogfight like this. And I'm sorry, I said this at the beginning, people laughed at me. I still think Joseph Wool's a better option. Like, I don't care his experience level. This guy went six and one with a 932 for the Toronto Maple Leafs down the stretch with that team. He had a 927 in the American League. He was an all-star down there. Plays with structure. This guy would make more saves. I fully believe that. But you know what? Last night, honestly, how many posts did the Maple Leafs hit? How many chances did they have that just didn't go in? Yeah, Bob Broski was great. But I honestly think the Leafs, if they keep playing their game and minimize those mental mistakes and turnovers, they really should be able to fight back in this series. It really is fascinating too, right? You look at the first round, I think many would agree Tampa probably deserved a better fate. All in all, you know, full 60, they were the better team in that series. And now conversely, you look at this round, 
And Toronto has probably been the better team through the span of the first two games. And here they are in an 0-2 hole. But I, I tell you, that Panthers team, I don't want to say it this early, but they just feel like they got that team of destiny feel to them. I don't know if you feel the same way. The buy-in, the goaltending, Montour has been fantastic. And Matthew Kachuk, everything that guy touches mm -hmm. turns to gold right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and even if you want to throw shade at Sam Bennett for what he did last night, he's gonna he got fined five thousand dollars this morning by Department of Player Safety for the cross check that he had in front of that on Mike Bunting. He also had ten hits in the game. He buried Matt Nyes behind the net. They both fell down on that play. Okay, it, it's ridiculous to think that there would have been supplemental discipline on that. But yeah. this ethos of the Panthers has changed in the middle of the year. You can tell they're feeling it. It's led by Kachuk. You got guys like Gudas who are warriors on the back end and guys like Bennett and Cousins that can do it up front too. So I, when you knock off the Bruins, man, it really changes your, your outlook on things. And I think you're seeing that with Florida now. It really is irony that uh, Keith Kachuk calls him soft. And ever since that time, he called him soft and on TSN radio. It's been a different story and they've stepped up to the plate and we'll see what the Leafs have in store. An extra day off coming up, uh, game three on Sunday in sunrise uh, from there we move on to the canes and the new jersey devils i don't know about you i was feeling the road devils in game one and i was proven wrong again by the carolina hurricanes you want to talk about under the radar type teams and i actually said this a month before the playoffs started don't sleep on the carolina hurricanes love the structure of that team we all know who coaches them too yeah, it's Rod Brindamore, and I mean, geez, just watch how passionate he is in any post-game interview. Um, his eyes are getting all buggy and wild, like he's got yeah. the passion and the fire. Um, here's the thing. I, I picked the Devils in five games. I probably should have picked the Devils in six games because I didn't take into account how quick of a turnaround that the Devils were going to face after they beat the New York Rangers. Two nights later, they're playing against the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Hurricanes had four days of rest coming into game one. And here's the key part for me. It's not just rest. Like, if you've ever been in the room for these things, you have days to prepare tactically. And I understand that Carolina didn't know they were playing against Jersey until two days prior, but they already had done their homework. So then they had a day and a half to dig in. Well, Jersey's playing catch up quickly on Carolina. I think that's real. I think the Devils didn't have their legs. Akira Schmidt is going to start game two from what we've seen. He was pulled in game one. I didn't think that the goals against the three of them that went in were his fault. So I think he has been the better option for Lindy Ruff in New Jersey. But, Matt, Carolina was unbelievable right off the bat last game. Devils didn't have a shot attempt in the first seven minutes. Their only shot in the first period for New Jersey came from the neutral zone, Nick. So even with Teravainen, Pacioretty, those guys out of the lineup for Carolina, Svechnikov, they're scoring. And you know who's chipping in? They need to see it from their D. That was one of their strong points this year. They got a goal from Shea, and they got a goal from Pesci last game. So if the D can keep chipping in for Carolina, I like their look too. Yeah, the Devils really, really got ambushed. And I, I was playing the rest versus Russ card. They had been off since Friday since putting away the New York Islanders. And again, people can have this conversation, home ice, how much is it factor into the Stanley Cup playoffs? And maybe this year is a one-off where every road team seems to be winning. But I think there's one team who takes pride in being dominant on home ice in the playoffs. And you see the betting odds reflect that. It's the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, they're deep, right? And they were top of their division for a reason. It's just, I didn't believe in the Canes because of the lack of scoring and I didn't know if they could mm -hmm. grind it out. I don't think, I still don't think their goaltending has been tested either, Nick. And that's what I wonder if the devils really wake up and start revving it up through the neutral zone, even though it's hard for, to get past Carolina. If you get clean shots from the top of the circle or closer on Rantar Anderson, it's got a chance. So that's what I think the devils need to do. They got to push the goalies of Carolina because right now goaltending doesn't matter in this series for me. The devils have to make it matter if they want to win.
I like that look. And uh, Timo Meyer, I think the best I saw a couple minutes ago on social media, he is taking the morning skate and obviously a big time factor for the New Jersey Devils in that series. He missed the first game and obviously not the only reason that they lost that game. They were blown out um, a lot of reasons why. And the Canes are a really, really good team. So looking forward uh, to game two of that series. I've been waiting all morning for this Norris conversation. You follow me on social media. I was a bit perplexed as to why Kale McCarr was on the Norris Trophy uh, ballot, I guess, and being nominated as the final three. So it's Fox Carlson and McCarr. And my reasoning behind that wasn't because I don't like Kale McCarr. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's the best defenseman pound for pound in the game right now. Having said that, the sample size and the allotment for games, there's other guys who I think were worthy of a nomination. We all know who's winning the award, but how did you see it play out? Do we know who's winning the award? Is it really going to be Eric Carlson? He wasn't my number one pick. Nope. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't think McCarr deserved to be on the fi- be a finalist, and it's not because Kale McCarr's bad or he didn't have a good year. Mm-hmm. He only played sixty games. I can't put anybody on a trophy list that didn't play over seventy minimum. That's just the way it is for me. If you're talking about a course of a whole season, sorry. So I had Adam Fox as my number one. I'll tell you why. He's the first guy over the boards on the penalty kill for the Rangers. He's number one on the power play. He's plus 28. He's a one-man offensive show. The Norris Trophy is given to the defensive player who demonstrates throughout the season ability in the position. Okay, That means all situations to me. I'm an ex-goalie. That's why Josh Morrissey, I didn't have him on my list. Eric Carlson, he wasn't even on my list. Okay, Was Eric Carlson an all-star for me when I picked those? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, but all around D, no chance. So I think there was some players that probably deserve some love. I thought that Heiskanen deserved a look. Lindholm, Hughes, Darlene, like any of those guys to me would have been a better choice than McCarr. But hey, it comes down to voting. This is who we have. What's your take? Yeah, of course, the PHWA involved in, in nominating. I just, uh, and I'm curious to get sort of your, your opinion on this in terms of like the graphs and the charts and being part of the analytics community and having it obviously as a useful tool in this day and age of the NHL and pro sports in general. But, you know, the backlash I got on social media for just putting out there and stating my opinion. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion first and foremost. I just think there were some other players involved in this season that played more games that had the same type of impact that Kale McCarr did, and I would have loved to see them get some love. Morrissey's a guy. Um, Darlene's another guy. I love the Haskin and look. Hampus Lindholm's such a wild card. He's sort of lost in the shuffle in Boston. I, I just think we're losing sight a bit of this award, and I don't discount what you said about Eric Carlson. I totally get it. Like I want the most all-round defenseman yeah. to win this award, but we got away from that a bit, no? Yeah, well, they have, and I think it needs to be corrected. I don't like it, man. I'm an old goalie. <laughs> I know who plays well in front of you and who you can trust. And Pete DeBoer was pretty pissed last night post game when these when the awards nominations came out, and he goes, "Where's Miro Heiskanen?" And I agree with him. Like all situations, you know, and and there's a lot of players like that. I think that not just are they good in those situations, they're also putting points up here, Nick. Like mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes should have been in the mix. Heiskin in seventh overall in D scoring. Like I, I don't like it that we just give it to the highest scoring D. I'm sorry. I don't think that's the spirit of this award. Where do you stand on analytics and the graphs and the charts? And I get it. Kale McCarr is a hell of a player and people were sending me, you know, ridiculously good looking charts, but where do you stand in that conversation? I don't care. He played 60 games. Yeah. It is. You, you can't pick a goalie for the Vesna that played 40. You're not doing it. Mm-hmm. 30, you can't. So um, 
I, the, the, the fancy stats, the charts, everything else like that, I take them all into the occasion. But to me, you got to play power play, penalty kill, five on five. You better be a plus player and you better put up points. That's Adam Fox. I like that. You nailed it, my man. Let's get to today's guest. The All 32 is presented by Boston Pizza and their new Fanalytics-inspired menu with beer, mosas, deep-fried pickles, and the all-new Italian deli pizza. There's no better spot to watch the playoffs than at Boston Pizza. I love their pierogi pizza, by the way. As we bring in Dallas Stars host, obviously you can catch his work on Valley Sports Southwest. It is Brian Ray. What's going on, Brian? Gentlemen, good to talk to you. Hope you're enjoying the playoffs so far. Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic thus far, and I know Mike's going to chime in in a second, but I just want to get your general thoughts on, on the game last night. Man, Wyatt Johnston's one of my favorite players in the league. I still think he is <laughs> overlooked in terms of the rookie conversation. He's just everywhere, man. Well, Pete DeBoer, I think, would agree with you on him being overlooked in the rookie conversation after his comments post-game. But I, I look at that second game, and I was – chatting with a few people on the, the difference from game one to game two. And, and for me, the pace of play is, is the phrase I'm using. And I know every NHL team wants to play fast. It's a fast game. But you look at the type of team Seattle is. You look at the type of team Minnesota is. Those are two different levels of pace that those teams play with. So, so I think as this series goes along, that Seattle forecheck and how fast that team can skate top to bottom. Game one, it sank its teeth into Dallas in their own zone, and, and I thought it was a problem. Game two, I thought Dallas did a better job of their breakouts, of avoiding that forecheck. It couldn't sink its teeth into it on a more consistent basis. And I just think if Dallas can continue that over the course of this series, it'll play well on their side of things. I thought the first 10 minutes of game two was a little frantic, but I think it's not because Dallas was running around or, or all sorts. They were just trying to pick up their pace of play so that Seattle forecheck couldn't sink its teeth into them. And they ultimately settled in and obviously it worked. They won the game. Yeah. And especially these two teams, it's a five on five battle for a lot of, I know the power play for Dallas <laughs> is a strong point, but five on five, the Kraken were the best team in the NHL this year. Thing is, for Dallas, they had the best five-on-five -five line. Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, they were unstoppable this season at even strength. And that is my question is, hey, what about Jason Robertson? He's only got two goals in the playoffs, but he does have seven points. Is there a reason to be concerned with Robertson? Should Stars fans be happy with what he's accomplished? Is he just an ancillary piece? Give us the overview on Robertson so far in the playoffs. Well, it's funny you mentioned the five-on-five five thing, Mike, because, yeah, they have the best line, but the line's not playing together in this series. It's been Sagan, Hintz, and Robertson on that top line because Pavelski went down in round one, and since Pavelski's come back, Pete DeBoer's had him with Domi and Marchment. So it's it's almost like Pete DeBoer's trying to spread the wealth around a little bit at five-on-five. Five. And, you know, we're two games in. Seattle was the better five-on-five five team in game one. Dallas was the better five-on-five -five team in game two. So right now it's a wash, I'd say. For for Robertson specifically, I'd call it a situation to monitor. I don't have the, the level of concern or worry that I think maybe part of the fan base or some people are conversing about down here in Dallas. Now, it's the NHL playoffs. Every fan base is worried or concerned about something unless their team goes 16-0. But 
he has seven points in eight games. Yeah, he only has two goals, and, and I think they're both power play goals. But I'm a big believer in trickle-down effect throughout lineups. Rope Hintz tore it up in the first round. Joe Pavelski has clearly turned things on here in the first two games of this series. Sagan has five goals through the, through the playoffs so far. These are all players that are on the ice with Robertson or Pavelski on that second line, but he's on that first power play unit with Robertson. There's a trickle-down effect. Jason Robertson is the number one option. Everybody knows that. That's where the goals are going to come from first and foremost for the Dallas Stars. If you remove him from the equation as an opposing team, which you should, what is everybody else around him doing? And right now the Dallas Stars are getting production from the extending players around Jason Robertson. And the other thing, too, Jason Robertson led the Dallas Stars in assists. Like, for all the goal scoring, he led him in assists in the regular season. Like, he, there was a point in February that he dried up offensively in terms of goals, but he all of a sudden started handing out assists left and right. So he does know how to distribute the puck or at least let the attention come to him, but don't panic. I think he is gripping the stick a little bit. He did have some times where I thought he looked frustrated or he was trying to force some shots through the first layer, especially on power plays. But that's going to happen. You know, the, the best goal scorers on a team have to deal with that. And if they're going to let other players contribute, that's okay. You know, there's depth scoring right now for the Dallas Stars, which is important in the playoffs. What's it like covering Joe Pavelski on a daily basis? Like, I'm still <laughs> bewildered after everything he's dealt with. He comes back and just scores and scores and scores. And you want to talk about leadership. You want to talk about a guy hungry to win. There's none, nobody like Joe Pavelski right now. Boring. That's what it's like to cover him on a daily basis. Look, you know, we like personalities. We like long-winded answers. We like to get the quote. And he's very straightforward, matter-of-fact, listen to any video interview he does, you know, whether it's at a morning skate or after a game, and it's just, it's straightforward, you know, yeah, it's great to get back, yeah, it's this, yeah, it's that, you know, very monotone, very subdued, very, uh, very collected, and one, when you're 38, 39 years old and you've dealt with the media for as long as he has, you know how to manage it, but also I think that's just his, his persona, that's his game. You know, he, he's just, he's a very straightforward, I'd call him a monotone player. Look, how long has he deflected pucks in front of the net with ease in his career? He's a monotone player at this point, the way he does it. And even just hovering around the net looking for loose pucks, the way he scored his goal last night. It wasn't a, a deflection, but he, he is lurking around the net. So, you know, what's it like to cover him? Consistency is another word. But but I just think the, the collectiveness and, and even the monotoneness of his interviews and the way he plays the game. It's at a high level, but it's very consistent and very subdued because it's the same thing every day when it comes to how he operates. I believe the kids these days call him sick. He is really, really sick. Six being a, a right. good thing. He's been an <laughs> incredible story in this series. And uh, Brian, so thankful for your time today. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Enjoy the rest of the games. You as well. That is uh, Brian Ray.
Many thank you to uh, Brian Ray for dropping by there as we get to Ask DFO, and it's revolving around the uh, Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers series. That's still a thing, 17 days off. I still can't get over this whole scheduling situation, but uh, I digress. What will the Oilers versus Golden Knights series sit at on Monday morning, Mike? Oh, I think we go back to game. I think game two, we go back to Edmonton. There we go. And uh, I think the Oilers win the second game. Simple as that. But I think it's going to be close. I think Edmonton's going to have to come through and figure out Vegas's neutral zone. they got to get through that 1-2-2. I think they're going to win 4-3 in overtime on a goal by Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You can book it now, whatever you want to place for bets. Uh, Tyler, you can you can book that one when he talk to you here in just a minute. Yeah, we're going to bring Tyler, your M-Chuck, on momentarily for his bets from the strip. But let me ask you this, former athlete, um, you know, been around the Vegas area. That extra day off in Vegas with players – Take a little peek around. Yeah, they're going to get a little vitamin D in them. That's what you're going to do. You go poolside. <laughs> pool or what? Just yeah. soak in the rays, baby. That's energy. Yeah. No, they're going to stay uh, in their hotel rooms and play video games. That's what they always do on the road now, man. That's reality. Oh, I know. It's way different, man. Like, I even talked to Jay Rozo, my co-host on Least Morning Take. It's like, it's so different than when you guys were in the show in your peak, right? Like, in terms of the way they conduct business on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's people kind of forget how matter of fact it is to play hockey. Like you're not just always on guard at all times. Like you, mm-hmm. you roll it back and you relax a bit, but you got to be smart. You're so visible in Vegas too. None of those players are going to go out and do anything dumb unless they're, well, I don't know. <laughs> a certain San Jose Sharks player did a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. that seems to be under the, under the bridge now. So we'll see. Rosie was in uh, Vegas a couple months back and he ran into a guy who's going to be the, um, the most uh, the, the top goal scorer of all time one day we'll say that you can connect the dots who we ran into at 4 a.m in a vegas casino two months ago but i digress as we bring in uh tyler ramchuk i must add too that i think i'm with you i think edmonton ties the series up that was a wacky and chaotic and crazy game one but i do expect a bit of a response here from the strip from t-mobile arena how late were you up last night tyler Oh, Nick, you know it's a work trip. I was uh, I was in the wrapper no later than uh, than midnight. Tonight might not be the case, though, on a Friday night in Vegas. And uh, tomorrow, with it being game day right behind me at T-Mobile Arena, the strip is going to be rocked. But let's get into my bets for tonight, brought to you by Patano. The game starts now at patano.ca. Just one game in the NHL tonight. How lame is that? Anyways, I'm going to hope it's an entertaining one. And I actually do like the over in this one. It's paying plus money. It's hit in 50% of the Devils playoff games so far in these playoffs. And I think they're going to bounce back a little bit offensively, even if Akira Schmidt doesn't have the greatest game. Again, I think the Devils offense can get going and we're at least getting more than five and a half goals in this one, plus money payouts to decent spot as well. Tomorrow, like I said, behind me, game two between the Oilers and Golden Knights, and I'm with both you guys. And Edmonton bounce back just makes a lot of sense to me in this hockey game. They're favorites again, which I, I a little frustrating, I suppose, trying to get value on this series. Edmonton's been the favorite in every game they've played so far in these playoffs, but minus 125 is pretty solid, and I think Edmonton should bounce back tomorrow night. So the over tonight between Carolina and Jersey, and tomorrow I am rolling with the Edmonton Oilers, guys. I appreciate that. I think that's a bit of a fishy line. I won't lie, considering what we saw in game one of this series, a bit of a fishy line. That's all I'm saying, Tyler. <laughs> a little trap, maybe. Play- all right. Yeah, a little trap, yeah. buddy. Appreciate it. Have fun, okay? Thanks. There is a Tyler Ramchuk from the Strip. Uh, what's it like He's to work out in life. Vegas? Oh, yeah. What's it's it like pretty, out there? It's kind of 
it's kind of wild, man, because when I was a member of the broadcast team for two years, you know, I couldn't go anywhere without being recognized, which as a player, yeah. nobody recognized me. But I also didn't spend a lot of <laughs> I was a call up guy, like right? Like nobody was looking at me as a face of a franchise. We know that. But when your head's this big on the big screen at Circa Poolside, like people know who you are. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. That city's hockey mad right now and, and you'll see it tonight, I'm sure, in T Mobile. And uh, shout out to our uh, mutual friend Stormy B out there. Stormy Bonatoni does fantastic work for Visa and uh, did some great work as well with the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm really, really looking forward to yep. Game Two of that series. I just I've been pumped for that series since we 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 knew it was going to be a thing. And I, I I just think people sleep on Vegas in general. Like I was a bit stunned that you know in Game One it was Edmonton, the road team that was the favorite, and we all know Bruce Cassidy. Man, you're a goalie. What he's done with the likes yeah. of Aiden Hill and Laurent Boissois, like there's been 15 different goalies and they found a way to play the system that can win. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, they've done a great job of making it pretty steady and net for Vegas. And I said it this, I've said this a couple times. If Vegas loses a series, I don't think it'll be because of Laurent Boissois. But I do think Edmonton, if they lose the series, people might be pulling fingers at Stewart. He's going to have to have a big game this evening. Speaking of goalies, it's time for garbage time, Mike. Oh, is it ever? Choice cut of the week here from Ilya Samsonov, goaltender of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who uh, did lose last night to the Florida Panthers. And we're just going to roll this clip and let it on, let it fly. Just playing at the level he's playing at in the series, do you feel like that's a challenge to you? You have to raise your game? I don't give a fuck. Why not? It doesn't matter for me. I'm doing my work. He's doing his work. Love it. (laughs) Sammy. How you feel about Sergei Bobrovsky? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it was the most like, dude, like players beat around the bush all the time. And I think players get asked questions that I think there's a lot of leading the witness that goes on ask, with question asking, right? How much did you want to beat Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Well, a lot, obviously. This question was to the point and he just straight up shot it down that he didn't care. He's only worried about himself. I loved it. Throwing in a curse word like that does it always gives it a extra barb in the side and and I don't know man I just I appreciate his attitude um, he knows he probably knows he's got to be a little better in the series for sure to get Toronto past him but dude that's just a choice soundbite Nick it was unreal R- Russian goalies are hilarious and there's lineage to this by the way dating back to the first round Vasilevsky the media was starting to wonder why he wasn't talking. They had Ilya Samsonov talking early on in the series. Then they cut him off. He said a couple things that like rocked the boat a bit, if you know what I'm saying. And they're like, we probably should oh, yeah. have because like he's he's so literal with everything he says, right? And it's taken out of context. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happened in the first round. But I love like the pure emotion of just being like, I don't care because that any guy would say that. Yep. Like I do fully concur with you. And as somebody who's been in the media for 12 years, like I ask those type of questions, I'm always looking for that quote. And I think it was Mark Masters at TSN was looking for that quote last night. He got one. <laughs> he got as good as you're going to get. <laughs> All right, Mike, to wrap, what's on the menu tonight, buddy? Oh, man, Cinco de Mayo. Probably some guisado de porco, maybe. I don't know. We got a Mexican restaurant named Milapita down the street that's going to take care of us, let mom and dad drive, which means Mrs. McKenna and I might enjoy a couple margaritas. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Oh, I hope boy. you enjoy it, Nick. You as well. It's been great working with you. Thanks to everybody in the chat, Tyler, your M. Chuck and company out there. I think that's it. That's it. I'm Nick Alberga. That's Mike McKenna. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Take care.